Thanks very much, Alicia. From time to time, there are these viral illusions that seem to come out that divide the community. What is it that you see? What is it that you hear? And uh, people seem to be able to take two sides of, uh, of either equation, seeing both. They're probably old, and I'm sure you're very aware of them, but we're going to share them here, and we're just going to do a bit of a poll this morning and see what it looks like. If you're at home, you can throw your, uh, your uh, answers in the chat on YouTube as well. Uh, what do you see here? What colour is this dress? Do you remember this one? This is a few years ago now, uh, and uh, you can see... A different colour here on the dress. What colour does anyone see? You can yell it out. What is it? Blue or purple and black. Okay, good. Does everybody see blue or purple and black? Ash, what? You you don't see something? You see green. Okay. Okay. Bronzy green. I see gold and white stripes. I do. Gold and white stripes. This is how the illusion works. It's got, anyone else see gold and white stripes? A few people. Very good. Excellent. Now, apparently, this has got something to do with the, the, the way our eyes see it and the light and the dark. And perhaps, I'm not sure if it's where we are in the building. Perhaps this is a different frequency of screen and so on. This is how it all happens. But we see different things. Uh, what about this, this other one? This is a, an audio one. You'll know this one well also. What do you hear? It'll come in a minute. Laurel. Laurel, 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 Laurel. Okay, who hears the Yanni part? Who hears the Laurel part? Interesting, interesting. Now, what's strange about this is on my computer at home, I only hear the Laurel part, and uh, I thought I would this morning too, but I can only hear Yanni now in the church building, so uh, who knows how it works. Uh, We can see these same things... And both can be possibly true. Based on the light, based on the situation that we see, based on the frequency of our hearing and so on, we can hear the same piece of information, we can see the same piece of information, and we can see it from two completely different angles, and both of those can be true. When it comes to freedom, oftentimes we think in the same way. We think that we can look at freedom from various different angles and all of the different angles can be true. Of course, our world has a very different different definition of what freedom is to us as followers of Jesus. And so what we must do is not find what angle of freedom we like the most, but instead we should find what biblically is the definition of freedom. Over the last few weeks, our, uh, our preachers have been doing a fine job in helping us to understand and find freedom. We started this series by seeing that it is for freedom that we have been set free. The truth will set us free. We've been set free from the law by the Spirit of God and, and we've seen what false freedom is. But today, as we look again clearly at the one directional freedom that we have in the Scriptures, we're going to look at what it means to live freely. We're going to focus in really closely on verse 16 of this passage that you've got in front of you this morning. So please open it and have it there. Uh, And as we go through, I'll share four points with you about this passage. Let me pray and then we'll dive aboard to free living. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And we do ask, please, that you would teach us, challenge us, shape us uh, so that we might not see 
uh, uh, freedom as the world sees it, but we might see it as you see uh, what freedom is like, so that we might live as free people. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as human beings, we are always on a search, aren't we? A search for who we are. Who am I? Where do I fit in the world? Why am I even here? What's my place? Where do I take my function in the world? Of course, the word for that is identity. What's my identity? And we like to focus our own identity and find our own personal identity and perhaps even our personal brand and so on. And and the book of 1 Peter is a letter written to people who are in a similar situation. These people who are the first recipients of the letter of 1 Peter are strugglers. They're in a difficult situation. They're following Christ, but they're not quite sure who they are. You see, in Peter's day, the Christian would have been seen in, well, in pretty negative terms. They would have been the bigot or the troublemaker or the evil person, the nasty, intolerant, wowser. They're a problem for the world. We need to get rid of them and... And in many ways, our society acts in a similar type of way today, not outwardly necessarily, but pushed to the limits. The Christian faith is a difficult one today for the people of this world. They're troublemakers, intolerant, nasty and wowsers, and it asks us to consider again, who are we really? What is our identity? Well, right throughout the first two chapters of this letter, Peter explains who we are, what our identity is. He starts in chapter 1 by saying we're born again. We're elect exiles. Then in chapter 2, he calls us living stones built into a spiritual house. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a people belonging to God. We're sojourners in this world, passing through, and we're exiles. And there's so much identity language in the book of 1 Peter to encourage us of who we are. And each one of these identity markers we could go into, uh, but we won't today. But verse 16 of this passage gives us another identity marker. Look at what it says there in verse 16 Live as people who are free. Live as free people. Apart from all of these other identity markers, one of the things that identifies you as a follower of Christ is that you are a free person. You're free from the curse of sin, as we saw a few weeks ago. We're free from the power and condemnation of the law through the Spirit of Christ as Jesus sets us free. This is the good news for us. This is the identity that we have been given in Christ. We are free people. And our freedom is more than just our choices. You see, that's what got us into the problem in the first place. We like to think as we take on the the, uh, ideas of the world that our freedom is about our autonomy, about our decision making, about our choices. The more choices you have, the more free you are. And the less choices you have, the less free you are. But... According to the Bible, it's the opposite. The more autonomy we have, the more we choose sinfulness. The more it gets us away from freedom. You see, we want to make freedom about choice, but biblically, freedom is about our relationship with God. Freedom is found in our relation to God. 
Once we were tied and, and bound and stuck in sin and evil and the power of the law, but now we've been free in Christ Jesus. This is our identity in Christ. In Jesus, we are free. It is who we are. What is your identity? How do you mark off how you decide who you are in the world? Well, you are a free person. This is one of the key aspects of who we are as people, as human beings, as followers of the Lord Jesus. We are free people and it's important for us to press into that identity. For if we do not have the identity of free people, we will not live as free people. Freedom is measured in relation to God. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been set free from sin and condemnation. You've been set free from the power of the law over your life. And you've even been set free from the ultimate consequences of death. This is the great news. And it's a way we must re-understand what freedom is biblically. You see, it's possible that someone goes into prison as a criminal. And they go into prison as a criminal and perhaps they come into contact with the great ministry that's in prisons, Kairos. And they go there and they become a Christian while they're in prison. But they're never going to get out of prison. They're never going to be able to make their own choices from day to day to day. How free is that person actually? Well, biblically, they are among the most free people in the world. Though they will never again make decisions for themselves. Because they have turned to Christ, they are free. We must understand this freedom. We must understand the freedom we've been given in Christ and press into it as our identity so that we can live as free people. This is our first point this morning. We are free people. That's our identity. But our second point is that we are to live as free people. Look again at verse 16. Live as people who are free. Well, what does that look like? That's what we all want to know, isn't it? What's the $64 million question? What does it mean to live as free people? Well, already in this passage, Peter has shared with us three things. The first is in verse 11. Look at verse 11 there. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul first thing he says is abstain stay away from the passions which war against your soul it's important for us to remember as we start a new year that the desires of our heart are not necessarily worth following follow your heart is a good slogan for a movie but a bad mantra for life the heart is deceitful above all things And when we follow our heart or follow the desires of the flesh, we are actually waging war against our souls. We know, don't we, in an age of health and medicine, where we're more aware of our health than ever before, we know that there are things that can be in our body, whether they're viruses or cancers, that can literally wage war against our body. There's nothing we can do. This thing enters us in some way, shape or form and literally wages war against our body. And Peter says, 
when we give in to the passions of the flesh, then we are waging war against our very soul. And we all, from time to time, don't we give in to those passions of the flesh? And we might say to ourselves, they're only small things. It doesn't matter. It's just a small thing. I'll be forgiven. And as true as that is, that's not a reason to do it. Or we might say to ourselves, no one else will know. Or I deserve just a bit of downtime or to let my hair down. But we must understand that when we give in to the desires and passions of the flesh, we are waging war against our soul. Peter says to live as a free person is to abstain from the passions of the flesh because we want to make sure of the strength and health of our soul. Secondly, living free looks like living good lives. Look at verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Living good lives among the people of the world. Living honourable lives among the, the pagan people of the world. That's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. It's hard to live honourable lives in the world around us. But this is what we are called to do as free people. Would those who you work with consider you to be an honourable person? Living a good life in that workplace. If we could put a little camera in your car, would we show that you flip the lid at the traffic at every possible opportunity? If we spoke to your neighbours, would they say you lived as honourable people or were a bit of a rage monster? This is hard, isn't it? It's hard to be seen by others as an honourable Person, And so sometimes in order not to be seen as an honourable or dishonourable person, we might shut ourselves down completely, which is problematic also. But Peter says to live good lives is what it means to live as free people in this world. Honourable lives among those around us who don't know Christ. And then thirdly, in verse 13, living a free life is to be subject to Uh, the authorities around us look at verse 13 be subject for the lord's sake to every human institution in 2021 matt leach brought us a series on one peter and talked to us at length about what it means for us to live under and subject to every human institution whether it's the government or our boss or the teachers at school or whatever it might be uh, where to live in subjection to these authorities for god has placed them there And so long as they're not running against God himself, we are to be subject to them. And so here is what it looks like to live as free people. To abstain from the sinful desires of the flesh, to live good lives in the world, and to be subject to the authorities around us. But you might say, well, that doesn't sound a whole lot like freedom to me. It doesn't sound anything like freedom. Instead, it sounds like a very prescriptive type of Christianity that's telling me exactly what I should do at exactly what time I should do it. But you see, this is the point. Freedom is not necessarily biblically about our choices, but it is about who we are in Christ. As we saw last week from Matt Alder, not everything that we are able to do should be done. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial, as Paul says 
to the Corinthians. There is a false freedom, and that's what verse 16 goes on to say. Look at what it says again, verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Simply saying that choices are equivalent to freedom is to use false freedom to cover up evil. In Peter's day, there would have been those who would use freedom for all sorts of reasons. The zealots, religious zealots of Peter's day, would have said perhaps that uh, there is only one true king and one true God, which is, of course, a reality. But that would have led them to say, well, because there is only one authority, God himself, we will disregard and even attack those over us, the Romans or whomever else. Some others might have said, we will use our freedom to get rid of pain and pleasure. We call them Stoics. And we do that by making sure that there's no one we can serve. We don't need to serve God. We don't need to serve others. We just withdraw into our own selves. In Peter's day, there might have been another group, the anti-law people, we might call them, who flouted the social and moral rules just to choose what they wished. Or then there might have been even the Christians themselves, who took their freedom in Christ as a license to do whatever they wished. They say, well, we're not under law anymore. We're not to be legalistic, so we can do whatever we like. Now, of course, this is a false freedom and a cover-up for evil, and it's so often the case today as well. See, it's very possible, isn't it, for those who call themselves Christians today to say the very same things. We say, well, I have freedom in Christ and that allows me to make any choice or do anything that I wish because in the end I'll be forgiven and legalism is a really bad thing. Or someone might say, well, freedom is about my choices and what I do and what God really cares about is not what I do but my heart and that's the most important part. Or there might be some who say, well, In my freedom, I want to get to the point in life where I can make sure that I'm so self-sufficient that I neither have to rely on God or on others. But all of these would be a false view of freedom and a cover-up for evil. Many of you have travelled to different parts of the world, as I have. When you go to different parts of the world, you're told, that's okay to drink, that's not okay to drink. Uh, And I remember uh, taking an overseas holiday with the family a few years ago and we went to Thailand and I was told not allowed to drink the water. Don't drink the water, you'll get very, very sick. I don't know what I expected on that particular occasion, but I think I expected to turn the tap on and for it to look dirty, the water. But it didn't look dirty. There was nothing wrong with it, really. You could pour yourself a cup or put it in the sink and it would look perfectly fine. But you knew that if you drank that water... It would make you incredibly sick. You'd get all of those bugs and giardia and cryptosporidium or whatever they're called and they'd all go through your guts very, very quickly. That's how it works, isn't it? It looks the same, but it's very, very dangerous. We must understand that freedom looks very similar in the world around us, but there can be some very, very wrong views of freedom. Indeed, Christians can claim freedom all the time, but use that freedom as a cover-up for evil. But we must not do this. And though it might look the same, and though we might see it from different angles and so on, we must understand that there is one biblical view of freedom, which is about our relationship to God and not our choices. Because you see, finally, this morning, 
we're going to see that to live as free people means to live as servants of God. Look again at verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. It's strange, isn't it? The Christian is free, but they're free to be a slave. This is the word that Peter uses here. It's uh, translated for us as servant. But if you've got your Bible there, you'll notice there's a little footnote at the bottom that points down and calls us bond servants, slaves, literally. True freedom is to be a slave. Now, you might say that makes no sense whatsoever. But this is what biblical freedom is all about. Biblical freedom is to live in service. Service of God and service of others. That's what verse 17 tells us. In verse 17, there's two uh, statements uh, that Peter makes and he contrasts them. Uh, Let's look at each one of them in turn. The first contrast, honour everyone, love the brotherhood. Peter makes it clear we should uh, honour everyone, respect everyone. Everyone was made in the image of God. Each person that you pass by in the street is worthy of dignity because they were made in the image and likeness of God. But again, honouring and respecting everyone is much harder to do in practice, isn't it, than the words on the page. And yet, though we should honour and respect every person we come across, there is an even greater and higher priority for the follower of Christ. The one who is free is to love the brotherhood. Actively seek the good of brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a higher priority in our freedom to serve others. It's worth us asking. As we're seeking to live as free people in 2022, how will we use our freedom to love the brotherhood, to serve the brotherhood, to care for them? You see, the Christian faith does not allow us to go off grid, if you like, so that we cannot serve God or cannot serve other people and do the Christian faith by ourselves. We must honour everyone but love the brotherhood. And in a similar contrast, in the second half of verse 17, we see, uh, we see this relationship again. Peter finishes with this, honour the emperor. Now, we live in a day, don't we, when our politics is more polarised and aggravated and demonised than ever before and it's probably going to get worse. And yet into that state, into that, uh, state of mind, Peter says to us, honour the emperor, honour those who are over us, honour the authorities placed there by God. And notice this, those who lead and rule over us today might ask us to wear a mask or not wear a mask. They may have a view on foreign aid or the borders or climate and you may disagree with any or all of those and those issues are important and we ought to make sure that we have our voice heard on all of those things, yet we are to honour the emperor, honour those over us. Now, as important as all of the issues are that we face politically and otherwise in our own nation, we must understand that when Peter was speaking here, most likely the emperor was not very sympathetic. He didn't listen to anyone in his constituency at all and was more than likely actively seeking Christians to kill them. And yet, Peter says, honour the emperor. 
This doesn't mean that we can never disagree with our elected leaders or those over us. In fact, we have the right to do so and we should make that very clear. But it's not something we are to do with blind allegiance. Our blind allegiance is for no one. Our allegiance is for God himself. You see it there in verse 17. Fear God, honour the emperor. Our freedom is to be used in service of God and service of others. The freedom we have in Christ is a freedom to serve. It is a boundness that we have once again. We have been made free from sin to be bound to God and bound to one another. And so we must fight against a Christian faith which asks no obligation of us. A choose-your-own-adventure Christian faith where we do what we wish. For to live a free life is to not use our freedom as a cover-up for evil, but to instead turn and be bond servants of God, serving God and serving others. And so this year, as we start this new year, as we get everything in order and consider once again what we're going to do for the new year, we must once again see our identity as free in Christ, press into that identity and live as free people, not using our freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And as we finish our series next week, we're going to consider what it means to be freed up to serve others as we finish. In the meantime, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've freed us. Please help us to understand our freedom in Christ. We ask that you'd help us to see our freedom, uh, not necessarily as uh, the choices we make, but as a relationship to you. And so we ask that in the light of this, you would help us to live as your servants. And as living as your servants, we might live honorably in this world and abstain from the passions of the flesh. And You would help us to... Uh, live in subjection to the authorities around us and most of all that you would help us to recognize you as the God and Savior over over us all and we ask please that you might help us to live in freedom of loving service to you and we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. We're going to sing our